everyone and um, thank you for tuning in to the second in this podcast double bill from Kaz from the gravity technique we talked and talked and had such an interesting conversation so I wanted to break it down into two episodes for you to enjoy um so if this is the first time you're tuning in Please go back and listen to last week's episode first because that will make a lot more sense. Listen to this one second. Also, little announcement, I am taking a mid-season break after this episode. So our next episode will be out at the end of November. We're skipping the end of October because I'm off celebrating my birthday. I'm going to Rome and um, then we've got half term so everything is all just a bit chaotic so I just felt like the stars were aligning and it was telling me it was time to take a mid-season break so you've had two episodes this month anyway so hopefully you feel like you've got your fill and I'll look forward to catching up with you again in November take good care everyone and enjoy the rest of October hope you enjoy the episode all the best. I have a very, um, well, I'm living proof of exactly what you just said. I have one foot in both camps. I spend a lot of time in the lab uh, and in the fascia research world. Um, I have quite close ties with the Fascia Research Institute in Munich. I work closely with people with dissecting fascial continuities and looking at anatomy and movement. It's very scientific. We want to prove our theories. And this helps to drive change within the medical world. The flip side to that is that myself and a few, quite a few of my colleagues are all yoga practitioners and come from a yoga teaching background as well, because you cannot separate the two. You've got, you know, the, the body is a reflection of your mind and your mind is a reflection of your body. So there, there is no separation. You, you can't, um, you can't say there's a science world and a spiritual world. They are driven by and of each other all the time. The science just likes to prove the theories, um, and maybe the spiritual just likes to cook them up and download them from the universe. But you know, ultimately, they're the same message, just dressed up in slightly different packaging. Um, but blending them together, you you know, for us to, again, I come back to, I'm working with the word arrogance a lot at the moment, but, you know, for us to presume to know from the science that we have from just maybe a last hundred years study from practices that have been laid down for 5,000, 10,000 years that, that, you know, predate so much. Mm. Um we have to look at what it is to fundamentally what it is to be human and to be, you know, underneath the house, the car, the job, the everything else that we bolt on, we're still a mammal yes. with more instincts. You know, there's a reason we like sex. There's a reason that we like to eat. There's a reason we have children and there's a drive within many of us to procreate. You know, because underneath it all, we're a mammal that just got a little bit clever and then started to bolt stuff on Mm -hmm. and then got a little bit bored and, you know, invented work for ourselves and this all sorts of other stuff. But, you know, it's coming back to that fundamental programming 
and um and and I love I love how science just helps us to articulate it well mm. helps us be credible and it's it's a great learning piece for for people I think I think it's really um, interesting as well I heard on one of my favorite podcasts um we can do hard things I don't know if you listen to that but um you listen to Glennon yes yes and um but it was it was actually the um one where she interviewed the lady on embodied on embodiment and mm-hmm. um just talking about sort of where that whole thing comes from and and how the idea that your brain and your soul and your body are all separate entities comes from this sort of Christian ideology that the afterlife is what we're aiming for because we're basically living in a hell and and the way out of that hell (laughs) is to get to heaven um, by doing good things in this world. Um, so, So then you have this complete disconnect of you know body and soul when actually the empowering thing to do is to reconnect body and soul (laughs) yeah and that's fascinating yeah I mean to touch back on what you were saying earlier about um you know being in control of external influences we we aren't and we can't and we shouldn't because it's detrimental to our mental fitness when we do and I think there is something fundamental in all of us that we can control, and that's ourselves. So mastery over our thoughts, mastery over our bodies, what we think and how we are and how we act and how we behave and all of these things, the, our day-to-day activities, those are the things that are important. Those are the things that drive the ripple effect, that drives real change. Many of us are very caught by the external world a lot of the time we're, we're taking a lot of time in the in that place we were very taken with our chores if you like again I always come back to Cinderella you get to go to the ball you get to go to heaven when you've done all your jobs but the problem with the jobs is that the jobs are never ending so you don't actually get there um and actually that's what capitalism is built on that same sort of ideology of it. it's always just one step more one more thing one more purchase one more 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 yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah it's always satisfied yeah. in the moment in the body and in you know because you are always yeah. broken. And it's yeah. interesting, you know, how I talk about the positive connection of narratives and in, in in all these different holistic pieces and everything, versus actually if you look at the alternative, how much connection there is between all these negative narratives as well, and how many threads are running through all those. And it, actually, if you stop and take a step back and go, hang on a minute. Oh, I can see. <laughs> that all goes together, doesn't it? And that all goes together. <laughs> but it is it is a conscious choice for us to think positively mm. because your brain is designed to keep you safe. The same part yeah. of the brain that gets you to bang your heels is the same part of the brain that's always looking for you not to get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. So yeah. we are naturally driven to catastrophize. Yeah. So we are. Because this keeps us safe. So long as we're in the familiar, so long as we are within the confines of what the brain already knows, mm. then we stay there. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time when I work with people with chronic joint pain or people that have been through um, a long pain journey, that is one of the fundamental shifts that we have to make. The body will sort itself out. It's got its own 
healing mechanism it can do it if we get out of the way and let it let it do what it needs to do but also we have to check in with the brain and start to calm the nervous system but also reassure the brain that you know there is safety but the brain is designed to keep you safe it's designed not to keep you comfortable Mm. it doesn't matter how much pain you're in Mm. if you're safe the brain takes that as a win and that's really disheartening it's very challenging for people when I meet them at first and you know I found this as well when I was um not very well I had some run into some quite severe scar tissue issues in 2018 I have keloid and hypertrophic scarring which means I don't have an off switch Mm. so uh, for normal people uh, you cut yourself the wound heals there's some scar tissue that is, you know, put on the inside, put through the wound uh, by the body. It stabilizes the the part of you that has been uh, compromised. It's looking to, you know, put some scaffolding in there to, to stabilize it. Mine doesn't stop. So I now have adhesions around most of my major, uh, well, all of my major organs in my right side. But so it's all right. on creating scar tissue, you're saying? Pardon? It carries on creating scar tissue on top of scar tissue, on top of on scar top, on top, on top, on top. So it's, it's it's basically in the inside of the, for me, it's the inside of the abdominal wall. And it's just like a scattergun approach right. where it's just building and building all the time. So the trick is... And then that's not as stretchy, is it? That's... Um... No, so scar tissue, so connective tissue, fascia, mm. Um, I was going to ask you what fascia actually was because what is fascia? Okay, what is fascia? Fascia is lots of different densities of connective tissue in the body. So, all connective tissue is fascia, but not all fascia is connective tissue. And you can take that away, have it with your gin, <laughs> and chew that for, I've been chewing it for decades now, um, because it's one of those where you think you've got it, and then you, there's another dimension to it, another dimension, another dimension. Um, so your bones are fascia. They are probably the hardest fascial component within the body. Right down to ligaments and tendons, they are fascia fascia that we talk about or the fascia that you see on social media and that people are talking about all the time that you get with your roller and your fascia blaster and all of this don't fascia blast by the way audience for anybody listening to this very bad fascia is strong but fascia is also soft yeah and it's it's you are if your body is your best friend and let's face it you and your friend are together until your final day so you may as well be best friends Fascia, if your body is your best friend, how are you treating your best friend? That's are you on speaking terms? Yeah. Are you ignoring each other? Are you beating the hell out of your best friend and trying to pull it in a direction, you know, trying to pull her in a direction that you want her to go, whether she wants to go there or not? So whilst fascia is very strong and does form the basis for many of the structures in our Uh, the stronger structures in our body it is also fallible you can tear it you can damage it you can bruise it you can do all these things to it Mm -hmm. so this whole sort of pummeling the body you know for me isn't quite right what I like to do is you know people say oh well I've got tight IT bands so I have to foam roller every day 
the question, wrong question. Yeah, it's not how often do I foam roller. It is why are your IT bands responding in that way? Yes. Yeah, we look at your movement pattern. If you're standing with flat feet, you're mm. going to have tight IT bands and they're never going to release. No amount of foam rollering is going to do that for you. You'll get some light relief. You're dealing with the symptom, not dealing with the with the Always. source. Which, which is the foundation of modern medicine. Yeah, yeah. So it's not our fault because this is all we've ever been taught. Yeah. Taught from age seven that we have some bones that prop us up and some muscles that are attached to those bones. Yeah. And if I contract this muscle and I release this muscle, I get movement. Yeah. But that's not the whole story. It's a no. really basic, very re- reduced view. So, you know, for the for the scientist or body worker listeners, this is the evolution of biomechanics. We've gone gone through biomechanics and levers and pulleys, and we're going out the other side of that now and getting into, you know, we are not a machine. We're built in spirals. And so it's fascinating, like I just finished the book this month um, called Rest is Resistance and it yeah. blew my mind. I don't know if you've read it, but um, it's absolutely amazing. But the thing is, it's actually, she's saying if you give yourself, I mean, there's many, many things she says in the book, but one of the things that she sort of highlights is this actually giving yourself space to daydream because that's when your creativity will come in or like space off of social media and stuff like that. Again, you know, actually being able to sit in silence. And these are all kind of pieces as old as time, but we've just lost that connection. And it's so important to rekindle that connection. And, And she talked about this thing of, you know, when she has a window of, being off social media for a day or for even a few hours she then takes the time to sit with herself and go well what now what do I want to do now oh I want to have a drink oh I want to go and get my feet on the ground oh I want to you know and your body knows and it's reconnecting with that which is such a beautiful thing you know and again it's something another we can do hard things podcast was with someone Harper Nichols uh can't remember her first name but I'll find it the one who does she does these absolutely gorgeous quotes on social media and she turns it into pieces of art and and she's actually I didn't realize till I listened to the episode that she's autistic and she said like a big bit of her recovery without sort of relying on pharmaceuticals is literally just going what do you want body I Mm. want an ice cube in my mouth okay then I'm gonna put an ice cube in my mouth. You know, and, yeah. and it's just amazing how alien those sort of things are to us, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, we're we're not taught into reception at all. So fascia is your um the fascia that we see on social media and gen- in general sort of mainstream, or not so mainstream, although it was in the New York Times yesterday, which is a huge leap forward for us finally. Mm-hmm. Um so fascia, you know, is becoming a more talked about component part of the body. So the fascia that we talk about is a cling film type material that covers your muscles, covers your bones, covers everything in your whole body. It makes us a very complex piece of origami. Mm. But it means that we have sausage strings of muscles. 
it connects everything together. So all your organs are in their fascial bags, which are tied off in the spine. So movement of the spine deeply affects the viscera, deeply affects the organs of the body. How we breathe now becomes a body wide event, how we move and how we walk now becomes a body wide event that is felt right across the the whole structure. If you you can't throw the stone in the pond and just get ripples on one side. Mm. It work like that. So in TGT, we work a lot with, you know, the onesie analogy. You know, if I've got a pucker in the shoulder of my onesie, that is going to give me rumples, very technical term, rumples all the way down to the opposite ankle. And so we start to look at, you know, the body as as the 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 true holistic. We take holistic to 5D as much as we can. So whilst we're thinking about cling film structures and stringing the body together so it becomes a body-wide event, to come back to your point, it is exactly that. We are all about the external and we are not taught to intercept at all. So interoception is your fascia talking back. It's the voice of the body. Your body mm-hmm. is talking to you all the time. It's very, It's like the most basic is I'm hungry mm. or I need an ice cube in my mouth. Mm. You know, actually we want a sensitivity and a, and a dexterity and an ability to wander around inside our body so that we can bring the changes. Mm. We need to be able to feel when there is a change in the gut. We need to be able to feel when the body's going into anxiety. We need to be able to feel as soon as those depressive thoughts come into the mind because your body is as I say your body is talking to your brain all the time Mm. pain is just one of those languages Mm. you know people we have a cultural and societal conditioning to make pain go away you rub some gel on it you take some painkillers you end up at the pain clinic you have some steroid injections or you cut it out this is our standard go-to now is just you know that that's the course that we think is available to us but actually pain is your body calling for your attention Mm -hmm. and it's asking you to respond appropriately we've never been taught how to respond appropriately so we just feel the pain and go oh shit make that go away Mm. and our, our, our body shapes reflect that I always meet people with shoulder pain and they're actively trying to remove their shoulder from their own body the trouble is it's attached to you and you can't get rid of it but they're shifting their body weight out of the gravity line in order to move, you know, physically remove themselves from the bit that's hurting them. Mm. Um, And the whole point of, you know, a lot of the integrative limb integration work that we do here is to actually say, well, have you invited your arm in and asked it what it wants? Do you look at your day-to-day activities and look for the culprit. Are you long distance driving? My family live 250 miles away from me. I get there, I'm kissing the windscreen. Of course I am. You know, I've had to just navigate the Bristol interchange, which for those of us not in the south of England, you have no clue. Um, But I'm sure there's a a beautiful, you know, motorway interchange that gives you as much stress. So our body's in fight and flight, sitting at the desk for long periods of time, you know, those sorts of day-to-day activities cause the body to go into very specific movement patterns that over time become detrimental. So we don't need a painkiller and we don't, you know, you're not broken. You Mm. don't need a fix. You need to go in and start asking 
the questions what's and you follow them. Yeah. Pardon? What's causing this? Yeah. Exactly. Follow the why. The why yeah. will take you, you know, my shoulder hurts. Well, why? Well, because it's round, you know, at this jaunty angle. Well, why? Well, because that's where the mouse is under my hand. Well, why? Well, that's what I do for my job. So, okay, so now we've got a base to start from. What can we do? We have a, what do you call it, a motto or whatever it is now, um, you know, in TGT, which is start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. We are inclusive and accessible at every level. There is, I never wanted anybody to not be be able to access what we do here because of their medical history or their ability or you know any any of that. Because when I was sick in 2018, and still is the case now, I'm not fit for a standard yoga class. Mm. I can't go. So, you know, what happens when you can't just kneel on the floor? Mm-hmm. what happens you can't just come into all fours we've all had mm-hmm. that in a yoga class you know, just lay on the floor just do this thing well what happens if that's not available to you well that was actually what I was going to ask you about Iyengar yoga and I might mm. I might have the wrong one but there is a type of yoga which is prop based in that if you can't reach the floor they give you a block to reach the floor or you know yes. is that Iyengar or is that something yes different? Yeah, so all yoga is born from the experience mm. and it's born from the experience of the teacher. Mm. So what's really interesting, it's quite an interesting piece with regards to the roots of yoga is the original yogi that brought yoga over to the West is Krishnamacharya. And he had uh, four students underneath him, which are the, the main yoga styles that we see mm. now. So Ashtanga yoga um, was um, in- invented, if you like, or you know, created by a chap called Patabi Joyce. And he met Chris Mataria when he was about 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And you can see in this very fiery, very jumpy up and downy, very energetic, you know, it's a real kind of boyish, mm-hmm. fun practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very high energy practice. Iyengar, it's not the same story. So he was 15 when he met Krishnamacharya. He was a very sickly child. Um, there's lots of different stories about, you know, whether he'd had tuberculosis or, you know, something at a mm-hmm. at a young age. And it had left him with a compromised immune system, you know. So his he couldn't was was the, the thing. So, yes, Iyengar, traditional Iyengar studios, you don't see them so much anymore, um, was all sort of looked like one of these bloody torture chamber places because you had like levers and straps and pulleys and blocks mm-hmm. um, and blocking and propping so that you could get into these um, movements was important. And then Krishnamacharya's son is one of the other... Um, uh, fundamental teachers who's TKV Desikachar uh, and the creator of something called Vini Yoga and this is a breath-based movement practice so you move because you breathe not the other way around mm. it's breath-driven movement and you know Desikachar is always interested in pranayama and the movement of the breath and the yoga the asana practice mm. uh, was always secondary to that for him so they're always born from the experience. The my yoga practice that then evolved into the gravity technique is yoga is a male created movement system created by men for men. Mm. 
that is not sympathetic to the demographic of women that I predominantly work with. I do work with men and I work with a lot of male athletes and currently working with a, with an Olympic swimmer. And, you know, the, there are men in here. But actually, the demographic of women that I was meeting over the years is the range between sort of 38, 35 to 70. Mm. And the traditional yoga postures, the stretchy stretch of it all simply isn't sympathetic to a perimenopause, menopause and postmenopausal body. It's just not. We are going through the washing machine of menopause and we know with the latest fat and this is the very latest fascia research so you heard it here first listeners <laughs> um, we've got slides now from of people's connective tissue or women's connective tissue before menopause during menopause and post-menopause and we know now that you go into menopause with one fascial makeup mm-hmm. we go through the washing machine of uh, menopause where the hormones change but your tissue structures significantly change and you come out the other side of menopause with a brand new shiny body now menopausal women all over the world will be laughing their socks off at this because they're like this does not feel fucking brand new or shiny (laughs) (laughs) i've been told this on so many occasions i love that description doesn't feel shiny in here (laughs) yeah but i love the description of that middle phase of being like a washing machine um you know and and whilst I don't feel like I have had perimenopause symptoms yet I do feel like a lot of people who I talk to about that whole process is very much connected to what my experience was of going into motherhood and having that hormonal shift and going from I feel like my body was one thing one entity and then went through twin pregnancy, came out the other hand. It was a completely different body. And it took me a couple of years there to actually get to a point where, you know, this is this is kind of metamorphosizing. I can't say the word, but I am coming through a thing and I'm coming out the other end as a different me. But it's exciting once you embrace it. And, yeah. and it's just another season. And 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 that comes back to the cyclical thing, doesn't it? It's that beautiful. Yeah, a, part, a piece that I'm working on at the moment, actually, and I haven't finished this yet, but, um, you know, because I have a teen. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting that if you talk to people about teens, they go, oh, they sleep till midday. Oh, they're lazy as hell. Oh, they're this, that, the other. Okay, but we accept that, right? Is anybody mm-hmm. dragging their teen out of bed at seven in the morning? No, because you know what? It's not worth the grief. So mm-hmm. don't even go there. But we accept that. Mm-hmm. When I talk to menopausal women, they say, I can't hold two thoughts in my head together. Um, the same as pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You know, my brain's not functioning well. I've got brain fog. I'm constantly tired. Listen to what your body is telling you. Because like you said, with the village and the communities that have been lost, mm. we would have gone into the red tent yep. with our yep. wise women and we would have sat down and allowed for this very introverted process to happen. It's a time where as women, we go inside ourselves yep. and because we're changing. So yep. it's it's no good with the external world that we're subjected to. You know, we're supposed to work. Get through yeah. it, get through so, it, get out the other side, you know. Yeah. But what happens is you fall out the other side of menopause with this body that you have no 
real connection to you don't know it you don't understand it because that period of time when we were supposed to go inside and reconnect on a deep level Mm -hmm. and ring the changes and explore this new birthing body that was being gifted to us has been completely passed over mm-hmm. and then we kind of spat out the other end of menopause and people were like well my knees don't well that feels bad and then you know my shoulders don't feel the same I hear over and over and over again I just don't feel like myself anymore but that's because the same narrative I get anymore. after people become mothers as well it's yes insane, because I don't know about you but I had this great idea because you only get 26 weeks, right? And any weeks that you take while you're pregnant, you lose post-pregnancy. So I wanted everything I could get out the yeah, other side. Because that's so the, the narrative my... you're given. So, oh, yeah. yeah, when do I leave on maternity leave? Oh, you leave at 38 weeks or... I said, yeah, I, I decided... For a C-section at 37, let's put down 38. And then actually my body after my baby shower I ended up getting food poisoning <laughs> and the doctor came around to the house and she was just like I'm signing you off you're done and I was like oh okay <laughs> and the best thing that ever happened you know literally hit 30 weeks and then five weeks later the boys were here so yeah I needed okay. that time okay. It's it's lunacy, really, when you look at it from a 30,000 foot view. You know, why would you do that to yourself? Building babies is energetic stuff. It is chewing through your resources faster than you can replenish for them. So if you're trying to do that over the top of your 50, 60 hour week, you know, I, I work with London based clients a lot. And the, these the roles that these women are in are significant. So when you're trying to grow a baby, when you're trying to grow a new human inside you and keep your resource levels high and run this CEO role at the same time, it's, you know, it's challenging. It really is. And the same and narrative the same around the menopause. menopause. The Absolutely. fact that you're supposed to carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on when you've yeah. got these massive yeah. physical symptoms happening. Yeah. And then it's almost like there's so much shame around it. And it's only yeah. starting to come out of that with this menopause revolution, with people talking about things, um, yeah. which to me, I'm like, thank God people are actually now talking about these things. Because how awful for women to feel like, oh, I'll just quit then, you know, because yeah. I can't. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I'm not strong enough. And that's what they're thinking. And you're thinking, God, you know, you're a warrior. <laughs> and actually, it's it's not you. It's a lack of support. Yeah. Lack because of you know, we're just, just not taking into account, you know, that at the end of the day, under the work, under the houses, under the cars, we are human. Mm. We're a human body going through human processes, going through human stages. And the female body goes through them more strongly. The men do as well, just Mm. not as strongly as females. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this whole, again, it's this whole just sticking plaster thing. You know, I've got brain fog. Well, take this thing. It's like, well, why have you got brain fog? Mm. Then, you know, when women hand me their list, because I ask them to write me a list. 
no wonder you've got bloody brain fog and you can't keep two <laughs> doors in there. You know, they roll me out a list like Santa's bloody Christmas list. Yeah. It's nuts. And they're like, and I couldn't remember what to buy in the supermarket. I'm like, I'm not surprised. Because <laughs> when you're trying to keep all this stuff. I feel like my brain's constantly like that. And to the point where if I actually put something down, something instantly drops back in its place. And I'm like, oh, shit, I was supposed to buy a new toilet roll. I haven't done it yet. You know, and it's just. We do. And as humans, we do have max capacity. I call it critical mass. You know, you are going to reach critical mass at some point. And And that's burnout. That's burnout. That's That's what that is. Yeah. Right. And then you know, the wheels start to fall off stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm just going to top up my water. And then I think what we should do, as I'm mindful of all our time, is go on to the example piece. Yeah. And the breaking down of the example piece. Because I remember in our planning call, I, I ended up thinking, I could talk to you all day, Kaz. You're basically my new best friend. I just I just love talking to you you're just a wonderful person to talk to however if we want to actually get across the narrative (laughs) would you like to do something very quick for your hand your thumbs and yeah actually if I tell you what pain I've got and um you probably have to put me in person to read no no I've got a fair idea of what it is but Um, go on I had, and I wonder if it's a reoccurrence of this thing which I had shortly after the boys, which was called Mummy Thumb. Um, and it was kind of like down here. And in, and I have suffered with tennis elbow in the past as well. And yeah. what I was told by the physio at the time is that, you know, I've got tiny weeny wrists. I've got like child size wrists. Right. And, 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 and yet my muscles are like all up here. And so mm. I quite often end up with pain sort of down here or into here and stuff like that. And it's it's specifically on my left hand. But I'm just wondering, should I now not pick up my children anymore? Are they too heavy? Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's you completely know? useful. Let's dig into that, shall <laughs> we? Let's, let's do some myth busting on, a, on an afternoon. <laughs> Um, because honestly, that's the biggest load of old rot I've ever heard in my life. So you can leave that bit in. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of mummy thumb. I don't think I ever want to hear of mummy thumb, but let's get into it. I was told that it was that movement of lifting them up and it's stretching there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you cannot never pick up your children ever again. (laughs) That is the I know it's a double double negative, but it's quite ridiculous. You know, <laughs> I have a, a three month old child where you can't pick it up ever again. It's just never going to work, is it? So let's let's get into carpal tunnel, tennis elbow, frozen shoulders, and arthritic fingers, and just basically hands, hands, elbows, and shoulders. So hands, elbows, and shoulders. Your hand is the interface for your shoulder. So okay. this is this is going, you know, gravity technique stuff now so this is this is how we work so you come through the door and you go i have got mommy <laughs> for anybody out there that's got mommy thumb just no so, <laughs> so it's not to negate that you haven't got pain right but we know that pain in your hands carpal tunnel and tennis elbow is a symptom it is not the cause 
Okay. And your hand is the interface for your shoulder. So if you hold your hand out in front of you and stick your thumb up to about 12 o'clock, something like that on your clock face, and you imagine that you're standing in front of yourself. So your hand is over your shoulder. So the side of your thumb, right down to the rooty thumb at the wrist. Mm. And then if you draw your finger across into the into the index finger. So across the squashy part of your thumb to your index finger. This corresponds directly with the top of your shoulder and the side of your neck. Can I so just if, say something as well? Is I noticed the pain in my thumb first, and then about a week later, I what I called in again, it might be a layman's term, cricked yeah. my neck. Cricked your neck, yeah. Yeah. And had like pain all up into the back of my head and down into my shoulder and between my shoulder blades. Yeah. So this is all related. All of that. So it's all related. So what you feel in your hand is directly related into your, your shoulder. So whilst you think that you can't touch your shoulders on the back, you can because you can affect them through the palm and the fingers of the hand because mm -hmm. you've got a control panel. Yeah. So your thumb right down to the root is the side of your neck. And then across from the root of your thumb up into the index finger is the top of the shoulder. Mm. The inside of your index finger down to the wrist is the inside of your shoulder blade. Mm. The middle finger corresponds to the middle of your shoulder blade. Your ring finger is a little bit further out. And then your little finger and the little finger side of the palm all the way down into the heel hand is the inside of your arms, to your armpit and down the side of your ribs. Hmm. Yeah, does that make sense so far? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know our listeners can't see it. So you have to close your eyes and They should be this. able to see because yeah. the video is going to be on Spotify as well. So. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So little finger side is the side. Did you get the side of the ribs? Yeah, side of the ribs. Yeah, got that. So we've, we've got this lovely, we can affect the tissues here. So in the gravity technique, we use a golf ball and we golf ball roll the palm of the hand gently. You don't need to do a lot in order to affect the tissues here. So if you golf ball roll the squishy part between the thumb and the index finger that will release the side of the neck and the top of the shoulder. And you want to take your golf ball in between the bony processes of the fingers all the way up to the knuckles and back down to the heel of the hand. And if yeah. you don't have a golf ball, can you use your thumb or not? You can. Yes, you can use your thumb. You can use a tennis ball. If you use your thumb, let's turn things this way. Use your thumb. You're putting your the other thumb on the inside of your palm and your fingers over the top and you're drawing your tissues out towards the fingers so you're going down and out exactly like that yeah and you want to create space between the bony the bones in your palm of your hand yeah because it's, it's these one of those things, there's so many parts of our body that we don't touch yeah. <laughs> and we don't think about how we don't touch but just if you I've kind of got into the practice practice of massaging my hands and my feet and doing a bit of face yoga before bed sometimes yeah. And yeah. it's amazing how you just, you don't touch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like we've That's not been amazing. taught to touch ourselves. And then you're just like, oh, I really needed that release. You know? It's an interesting thing, particularly for our, our English listeners. Um, mm. My partner is Italian. Mm. He was a shock. I'm English. 
Mm-hmm. And he takes his name, he's kind of like just spider monkeys everybody. Yeah. You know, very tactile. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not used to this. Yeah. So it's really interesting, different cultures on, on touch. But as English people, particularly, we are like, this is my, you know, God this is my space. VIP this lounge, is this is my personal space. space. You will not come in here unless you've got a VIP pass. Yeah. You certainly don't turn up with someone that you don't know who gives you a whacking great kiss on one cheek and then the other cheek. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're Southern French, where I lived for a time, you get four. So you're there for days like, mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> up close and personal with people that you, you know, maybe never met before. And they just yeah. sort of launch themselves at you. And I, I just find culturally it's really interesting. How yeah, that, and then you add you have like the whole COVID call out. Yes, 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 yes. Now we don't touch anybody. Yeah, um, you know, or you ask permission first. Yeah. Always. So there, there is that. So anyway, the the brachial plexus, which is the the fascia of the palm, extends through your wrist and into the the forearm. So if you take this, uh, the skin off the inside of the forearm and waggle the fingers, you can see the tendons moving up and down and there's a whole load of connected tissue associated with that. So if you happen to have a mousy forearm, so if you're sitting at the desk and you're typing an awful lot, Mm -hmm. you get your opposite thumb and you put it at the top of your uh, wrist, so in between the two bones at your wrist, and then you just let the, the thumb sink a little bit so that the bones in your forearm are starting to separate. So you've got two bones in here, the ulna, which is static, and the radius, which does exactly on the tin, and it radiate, radials or radiates around the ulna. So we want to Quite just... tender there. Um, through that, yeah, it may be a little bit tender. So we're very gentle, aren't we? Yes, gentle. <laughs> Lots of times shouting at people about that. We, I don't know why we're diehard lovers of Swedish massage. And we just let the thumb follow the tissues up the forearm. It will guide you. You can feel between the bones. It will take you all the way to the elbow. Might be a little bit tender at the elbow. So again, gentle. And you can feel that if you waggle the fingers, you can feel everything moving up in the elbow. And there's a lovely spiral in there to be had. And, you know, do both sides. Don't just do the the mousy side. So you might find that the dominant side uh, is a little bit more um, resistant. You might feel that the tissues are a bit denser. The tissues are a little bit harder than the other side. So we always do both sides. But just feeling if we can separate the tissues there and then noticing how that feels. This also releases deeply into the shoulder and the side of the neck, but it's also releasing the shoulder blade on the on the back of the body as well. Would you usually use oils whilst you're doing this or not? Yeah, if you want to whack yourself up with some some nice smelling oil, why not? If you're sitting at the desk, you can do this. So I have a I work with a lady that's um She's had many carpal tunnel surgeries, sadly. Another uh, kind of incidence where, you know, we just kind of did the sticking plaster. So she's had three carpal tunnel surgeries on one side and two on the other. Um, And, you know, within eight, nine, 12 months, it was always back again. So eventually she kind of, you know, got the message and decided that there must be another way. Mm -hmm. But carpal tunnel isn't your wrist. The pain is in your wrist. Mm -hmm. But the part of your body that needs attention is your shoulder blades and the rhomboids, these, you know, angel type muscles Mm -hmm. um, that lay underneath. 
Mm. So when we're sitting at the desk and the shoulders are up and around the body, they're pressing on the muscles underneath and the nerves and the blood vessels. So for some of us, it's carpal tunnel. For other people, it's Raynaud's is the, you know, the kind of end stage symptoms or mummy thumb. Mm. Because what is the common pattern when we're picking a child up and when we're typing is your head is forward out of the gravity line. Your head is heavy. It's a stone in weight. Your shoulder blades are rolling around the back of your body and you're picking up this brand new weight that you've never picked up before. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't go to the gym and start lifting a seven pound weight straight off the bat. And we wouldn't be in the gym for 24 hours picking up this weight and putting it back down again all day long. People go, that's nuts. Why would you do that to yourself? But we do that when we've got a brand new baby. Because we're surviving and we're doing what we... (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So we're putting ourselves, you know, when we look at the change in our activities, that is a significant change in your day-to-day activity that just Mm -hmm. happened. We normalize it because it's like, oh, hey, you've got a baby. But I see so many mums that are, you know, a few weeks into feeding and they're running into real problems, you know, real problems in the shoulders, real problems with their hands. I remember having real problems with my knees at that point as well, you know. Um, And people talking about it, like when, oh, you're a month in, you'll probably have sore knees and... But it would be like a passing conversation. Oh, yeah, that's normal. Carry on. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because there's radical shifts in the body. And again, because our village and our communities have been dismantled, we are the primary caregiver. Now, that's not the case in China. When a new mum has her baby, mum turns up and so do all the sisters and the mother-in-law. So you've got... Or husband there's now a significant amount of women descend on the household and they run the house mm. so that mum can focus primarily on raising the child mm. or feeding the child and resting mm. you know there are some terrible media driven stories over here about how the mother's you know not allowed to wash for um a month postpartum and all of the stuff and that was true a long time ago when the water wasn't clean no you wouldn't wash a body with a compromised immune system and you know open uh not so open yeah, wound. Actually, you know what i mean you know and questioning what was the method behind the idea you know <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and absolutely. then it's oh, oh that's actually really kind actually <laughs> you know yeah, you definitely wouldn't wash yourself a filthy yeah, in filthy water. So no, you wouldn't wash at all would be the best thing to do at that point. So it's looking at the why behind the what with with that again. But, you know, and that's still a culture now where the women all come together to support. Mm. We don't have that. When I had my daughter, you know, my family are a long way away. I did not have the support systems. I have to say the NCT saved my life on that one because I met other women you know who were able to and still now I mean 18 years on we're still friends we're not entirely sure where the beans that we gave birth to you know my my friend's son is six foot yeah he doesn't fit through the doorway of our cottage and it's like how did we birth this yeah no strange (laughs) where did this come from so working with but coming back to the point which is you know this is the symptom the pain here is the symptom 
It is not the cause. So we have to look at the cause. And the cause usually is that the shoulders are coming around. This is a sweeping generalization. So we can golf ball roll or tennis ball roll the hands. We can use the thumb between the bones on the forearm and smooth that up towards the, the elbow. Another technique you can do is you just find your fingers underneath your collarbones Mm-hmm. And you can massage here as well. You know, you can stroke the the um, tissues here if they feel a bit tight. But what we want to do is we just want to smooth and it is smoothing just like you would smooth a cat. So you smooth the, the collarbones up towards the um, underside of the jaw. You can feel the shoulder blades go down the back of the body. And then you can smooth the collarbones out towards the edges of the shoulders and you'll feel that the collarbone, that the shoulder blades again start to do something. Got, so yeah, what we want the shoulder blades to do is to go inwards towards the spine. Mm-hmm. This is useful. So for most of us, the shoulder blades are too far out and they're too far up, which causes the ribs to collapse, which then switches off the central core system. That's getting quite deep into stuff, but you know we're not going to go into that. But just starting to work with your collarbones your collarbones and your shoulder blades are facilitators of movement for the arms but if the collarbones are stuck on the ribs then the shoulder blade has to over move which puts the muscles on the back of the body in distress so if something doesn't move something else can and does but it moves past its optimal range and then it starts to press on nerves and trunking and muscles get too long or too, you know, we work on the premise a lot of the time that muscles are too tight. Mm. And we think of that as too short and too tight. Mm. But actually, with regards to shoulder problems and hand problems and tennis elbows, the muscles on the back of the shoulders tend to be too long and too tight. Mm. But they give off the same pain signal. So we don't know which is which. So again, if we go for a massage, we're lengthening the muscle. Oh, oh, yes, we stretch these muscles out. Doesn't that feel nice? Yes, it does. If your child falls over, what do you do? You give them a rub, you rub it better. So you get some light relief, but it doesn't change the movement pattern that's causing the pain. So the pain comes back again. And what we seek to do here in gravity technique is that we get to the bottom of the faulty movement pattern, clear that down, give the system a reset and then get the, everything going back to its appropriate length and its appropriate strength and its appropriate alignment so the pain goes away and then it doesn't come back. Does that make sense? It does. Um, how do I know, though, what is causing the pain in my thumb? Is it my posture? Is it? It's always going to be the it's always going to be the shoulder. Yeah, something. And, and the alignment of the shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. Um, and the alignment of the ribs, because, you know, that's that it come, it radiates down the hands into into there. It's it's really rare. I don't think in 15 years of doing this, I've ever seen, you know, I see injuries to hands. Of course, I do. But we have to look at the body as the functioning holistic whole. We cannot separate the hand from it's bud, which is the CT joint, which is the base of the neck and the top of the ribs. This is where arm arms form from an embryo stage Mm -hmm. they grow outwards from the ct joint um and through and into hands so as they radiate out they're always looking to come back home back to spine so we have to look at the 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 functioning hole then we would look at the positioning of the head because again that deeply affects the arms 
deeply affects the muscles on the back, which then affects the nerve trunking of the hands. Mm. So we keep coming back to that. We want to see the habitual movement that's causing the issue. And we can't change, for some of us, we can't change these habitual movements. I Like I say, I work with ladies in high-level uh, roles. I can't tell them to quit their CEO role and just, you know, just fuck it all off and go and lay on a beach. You can't do that. <laughs> not going to work. So it's how do you support yourself? Well, you can't just say, right, twins, I'm not picking you up ever again. It's not feasible. Mm. So it's how do we... How do you pick up your children with a way that isn't causing wear and tear to your body? Mm. We have to get very tech with that because they're only going to get bigger and heavier and more unpredictable, certainly up until, you know, a certain age. And then they become a bit more independent and they're like, no, don't touch me. So that's further on down the line. So there is this sort of this period where we've got this child who is getting bigger and has needs that we cannot deny. Mm -hmm. How do we work with you to um support yourself well so we change your movement pattern so you're picking up your children with optimal optimal muscle firing sequence not just your muscle firing um, favorite muscles Mm. so you remember i was doing sun salutations with just the shoulders because the core was compromised it's the same thing Mm. same thing in a different costume so if you're always picking up your children with trapezius one which is the top of your shoulder then you're going to get neck and shoulder issues but if you're picking up your children with your feet engaged into the floor and the central core system firing and your head in the right position, then you're going to be picking that up your children as a body-wide event. And then we give you a couple of gravity techniques for you to do at the end of the day. But gravity techniques button into your day can you show me quickly, because I think this is interesting, yeah. how you would stand to pick up a, a six-year-old child like absolutely, absolutely. Kind of use the you know keep your back straight and, no, and your knees and you know when when your child is running towards a road yeah you're not going to stop to go is my back straight Ben? Okay. <laughs> I mean to be honest nine times out of ten it's if they're upset yeah. then I just have the need to scoop them up absolutely absolutely so we would start with something like teeth cleaning pose so in as far as i'm concerned the whole world should be doing teeth cleaning pose which is bringing it's bringing your awareness back into how you are standing through your feet so for most of us we're too far back in the heels or we're too far forward in the toes depending on where we throw our body weight Right. Now, if we know that we're going to lift up a big, heavy, unpredictable weight, we're going to throw all our body weight back into the heels because that gives us a glute firing sequence. It's a back firing sequence. So feeling that you've got an even weight distribution through both both feet and through your heels and your toes most of the time and then making that a habit stands you in good stead, ready to pick children up keeping your knees soft if you are a serial knee locker Mm. i am Mm. um if your brain cannot feel stability through your feet because you've got arches that are dropping or something like that then we will lock the knees out it gives us a false sense of stability the next one after that is we always tuck our tail under. So if we sit for long periods of time or the head is forward out of the gravity line, then the tail will tuck under. 
So it's really useful to get your back against a wall. And that's a practice to stand with your back against a wall and get the back of your pelvis or the, you know, the, the back of your hips on the wall. Can you feel both sides equally? Then get smile at the base of the back of your ribs. So for most of us, the ribs are disappearing into the tummy because the head is forward. So the ribs are disappearing into the tummy. So we're collapsing through the central core system. If the ribs are disappearing into the tummy as they are when we sit for long periods or if we've had a compromised core um, structure, either in the case of surgery or carrying heavy babies. So, you know, or two of them at a time. And to be honest, I gave that one. after about six months. <laughs> it's a one-stop shop. So, but the ribs disappear into the, the tummy. And if the central core system doesn't fire, the shoulders will. So the shoulders overwork. So we're looking for um, the points on the back of the body, which is the smile at the back of your ribs, uh, the smile at the back of your pelvis, sorry, the smile at the back of your ribs, two shoulder blades on the wall, and then the back of the head goes on the wall. So you draw a line straight back from your nose into the back of your head and you take that back into the wall. So you can already feel maybe that there's something going on on the front of your chest. Maybe there's something in the collarbones that is happening. So with that in mind, when we start to stand, you feel the central core system more. And you feel that the shoulder blades come together on the back of the body a little bit more. So now when you bend down, you'll find that the bending down muscle firing sequence comes more from your tummy, not from your shoulders. So the arms are a facilitator of the lifting, not the prime driver for the lifting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I mean, let's go back to the sort of old adage of how to lift up something heavy um you know to keep your back straight and and to bend your knees and to be in your feet and that that was sort yeah, of I think to pick up heavy things generally um which I failed to do at 18 and slipped a disc in my back so I learned that lesson the hard way <laughs> um yeah and you know and there's a compensatory pattern that comes with slip discs which means we just don't use that part of the body anymore the brain discounts it because it's not safe Mm. so it will use it will use other things like glutes and shoulders and you know that sort of stuff and and again you know my the work that I'm working on at the moment or rolling out at the moment to do with pelvic floor so pelvic floor issues are a postural issue has nothing to do with pelvic floor strength or the strength or non-strength of the muscle and everything to do with the positioning of your head Because if your head is forward and your tail is tucked under, your pelvic floor muscles will fail to fire. Mm. In a lot of cases, and this this was started by, I saw people in my clinic who had diligently done their Kegel exercises just to no avail. It wasn't working. And it was like, well, why? Why is this? You're doing what, and you know, and I meet a lot of people like this. They're like, well, I'm doing the exercises. I'm putting the work in. Mm. So what on earth is going wrong? and it's there's nothing more disheartening than actually you know, you know putting the hours in I'm and, sure, and yeah. the reward. So it was like, on my list, by the way, pardon? <laughs> on my list to do those exercises. <laughs> but, you I, know, I, but I like I say, <laughs> yeah, but like I say, the pelvic floor kegels won't save you. Mm. You know, because again, your central core system is the arch of your foot, the inside of your legs, your pelvic floor, which isn't a floor, it's a back wall. 
just mm-hmm. most of us have got our tails tucked under, which makes it a flaw. Mm-hmm. But you know, we can try this together if if um if your listeners want to do this. If you stand up for a second and uh, tuck your tail under and try and pull up on your pelvic floor and just notice how that feels. Quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, quite difficult. So now feel your heels and roll your body weight into your toes and then roll your body weight from your toes into your heels and then roll your body weight from the inside to the outside of your feet. Just feel that your arches can lift. So we've got feet back, hip width apart, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that your arches can lift. And then you're just lifting your tail just really gently. It's like you're you're sending your sit bones towards the wall behind you just a little bit. Mm. Now pull up on your pelvic floor. I can feel that now. Yeah. And it's a postural, it's a postural thing. So if we make the knees soft and we bring the head, you know, the additions to that is making the knees soft and bringing the head back into the gravity line. And now you've got a a pelvic floor that will fire. Now, if there's a strength piece that needs to go in there, Mm. great. Mm. But if your pelvic floor is already over-engaged, what we call hypertonic, Mm. and it's in a permanently contracted state, Mm. still get leakage, same symptom, different uh, different issue because it's actually a collection of muscles this is the thing so you might have one thing but you know yeah because your pelvic floor you cannot so pelvic floor is part of the adductor butterfly mm. so when we take this out of the body which is a little bit gross if you don't like this dissection look away now but pelvic floor is connected to the muscles channels of muscle that lay on the inside of your spine commonly called psoas which people write poems and songs and books around there's odes to the psoas um poor psoas you know which but he's part of the pelvic floor and then that goes through the pelvis and forms part of the uh inner thighs so if you've got a problem with the inside of your knee your pelvic floor may fail if you've got a slip disc or a problem with your breathing so if your breathing is shallow because you're sat at the desk too much um, and you're not breathing efficiently, you may have problems with your pelvic floor. If your head is out of the gravity line, mm. and this is the piece I'm writing at the moment, is, you know, you will, you cannot regain control of your pelvic floor if you're, if you've got persistent forward head. Mm. I'm not going to call it a syndrome because it's not a syndrome. It's just a, just an alignment issue. So we have to look at, you know, why that is. And if it means that it, we have to, um, you know, if you go over to my website, you get the free masterclass. I know you've got it. Fuzzy focus, sharp focus, which is all about putting the head back in the gravity line really quickly. So if you're doing that regularly throughout your work day, mm-hmm. if you're doing that regularly when you finish driving, when you finish picking your children up, that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and then doing the wall standing at the end of the day, your pelvic floor will naturally sort itself out. Mm-hmm without too much intervention from from us that's fascinating again it's looking at your body as the holistic whole functional holistic whole yeah and that means you know if i've got a problem literally at one end of the body like the pelvic floor the other end of the body yeah and i think that's so fascinating and that's the thing which i love love more about holistic health is that it is just looking at the whole body and how everything interconnects um and i think even if you're not into the natural side of holistic health even if you're more mindful of how everything is all connected that's going to help you 
um always i've got a couple of quick questions and then i'm gonna have to dash on the school run um the first one is when you prescribe for want of a better word people exercises to do um what regularity would they do then would it be you do 10 repetitions of this in the morning or do you operate like that or what do you do absolutely not but you knew that already people with new babies do not roll out their mats at 6am it's just not a physical possibility women that need to be in the city at 7am for breakfast meetings are not rolling out their mat and actually we know now that the uptake on prescriptive physio exercises is less than 20% so they give you the sheet of exercises they you know the paper they come on is very absorbent and you can use them in the bathroom because people just don't use them they stick them on the fridge and then they just gather dust they never do them I hear that from people oh I didn't mean to do whatever it is but you know so they don't so the gravity techniques button into your day-to-day activities so as I've already mentioned things like teeth cleaning pose Mm -hmm. kettle boiling pose there's no reps here because what we need to change is the way that you move in your day-to-day life and this is where you're going to get the fastest results if we're changing the way you go up and down the stairs how many times you've got kids how many times do you go up and down the stairs each day (laughs) yeah so we change the way that you're doing that we've been developing one that's called um having your bottom in a sling so if you, you know if you go up and if you particularly for coming down the stairs for knee pain if you pretend that you've got your bottom in a sling as you come down the stairs it has a significant reduction in knee pain because mm. you're firing the central core system the brain does that for you so it's things that require reps are things like teeth cleaning pose little things that you do when you wake up in the morning little things that you do at the end of the day and we want you to be doing this on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. but it also it's just an awareness of you will always pick up the kettle with the same hand you will always get in the car you open the car doors in the same way so it's how do we shift those muscle firing sequences so that you're using not always the favorite a road Mm. and we're getting into you know those other muscles that are being left um mm. and not being utilized because it's just it's just habitual movement pattern mm. so it's changing the way that you get in and out of the car it's helping you to be mindful like when you're driving can you touch your head to the headrest at the the seat because mm. if you can't you're kissing the windscreen this is me that's going to change. Um, and we've got ourselves in an unhelpful movement pattern. There's a lot to do with fight and flight, adrenaline and cortisol firing sequences that happen as a, a you know, as a part of that. And we've got some science on that, but that's another podcast episode. But, you know, it's getting into all of those stuff. So and I wanted the uptake to be high because back in the early days when I ran the first company, which was Intelligent Movement, I heard over and over again, I did mean to do my exercises, but then, you know, my son was sick or, you know, work needed me, a project went wrong, something like that. Life got in the way. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, okay, so how do we, how do we get this into your day-to-day stuff? You can golf ball roll your hand while you're on a really boring, boring Zoom call or Mm -hmm. while you're listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, you can golf ball roll your feet under the desk. No one will see. Yeah. you can change the way that you sit and you stand and you walk. We can test this stuff out when you're walking the dog, when you're going on the school run, when, you know, all these different things. So we want you to bring it into, integrate it into your life because we're changing the way that you move for life. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of where I am on that. 
and then the, the uptake on, on that and, stuff and is do you have sort of I, I mean we can do this offline but um do you have sort of some drawings of how to stand correctly when you're brushing your teeth or whatever so they're all videos so I'm if you head over to the, yeah if you head over to the youtube channel gravity technique you can see some examples of those there and me sort of waffling okay. on the well, screen i'll um, link those in the blog post so that people can yeah. can find those right yeah just quickly so what are your current offerings and how do people find you so current offerings are um there's two things that there's two ways to work with me. If you've, if you've got a chronic joint pain issue and you need it sorted, then come and work with me one-to-one. I work in person in London. Of course I do. And I also work over zoom. So geographically, you know, COVID changed everything, doesn't it? So we can, can work through there, get you fixed up and back out. And that's, you know, just working one-to-one and you can book in there through gravitytechnique.com. And then the other space that I spend a lot of my time is the Inner Circle membership. So we have a class that meet twice a week, Wednesday morning and Saturday morning. We also have an anatomy workshop that happens once a month. And that's all online as well. Um, And it's an amazing community of, of people who are just interested in most of them have worked with me one to one at some point. And then we're just working through this new information that's coming out working on movement developing our own practice so there's a lot of teachers in there obviously you know if you're if you practice yoga for a long time you're a long-term practitioner of movement and you're just looking to deepen your knowledge and your practice at the same time then that's a great space it's also a really good I designed the space for people like me to go to that didn't have an inclusive and accessible class yeah. uh, movement class that I could go to and didn't mm-hmm. feel supported by the teachers there. So it's a fully interactive space. You get my lovely face looking at mm-hmm. you through the through the screen. You can get started in there from £47 a month. Mm-hmm. So it's really accessible. Mm-hmm. And again, everything you need to know over on uh, gravitytechnique.com and you can um, pop me a message and I can send you the details or you can just sign straight into the, into the membership and you come along. Do- face-to-face retreats is that on the agenda or I do 2024 we're just cooking something at the moment we did an amazing retreat last spring in uh at Stonehenge actually or a place near to Stonehenge which was absolutely lovely just seem to be starting to get back into face-to-face things that's just started to to really pick up the pace towards the end of this year unfortunately I'm off on other engagements for the rest of the year now but in the spring um yeah my team and I are, are just cooking something at the moment yeah so I mean definitely... I really like that idea of you know actually seeing you in person and yeah we do weekend immersions um yeah. for retreats which is always lovely we get a, a really nice space and um, I have lots of herby werby friends that come along and do gong baths and you know Love meditation and yeah, just bringing people together for that which is always lovely but yeah I mean if you if you are London accessible then um yeah absolutely come and see me come and see yeah. me there on central based and I can travel as well so yeah. sounds wonderful know. sounds wonderful well we'll put all the links below thank you oh, so fun. much for your time and your for wisdom Kaz. honestly I just feel like I have such a deeper knowledge of yoga in connection with science. And I think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. 
Um, so just good on you, really. And thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Jam Jar Jill podcast, where I try and use this platform to educate, inform, entertain and empower you to take charge of your own health, both mental and physical, in a more natural way. If this content resonates with you, I would absolutely love it if you could go to whatever platform you're listening on and give us a like or a follow. It's usually at the top of any of the platforms. There's usually either a tick box or a follow button where you can follow along. This is the most important thing to the podcast because it means that you won't miss an episode and it also means that we won't miss you as we put episodes out. I really hope this content makes your day better and um, gives you some food for thought about the subject matter. Again, if a particular episode really resonates with you please do like it please do comment with any thoughts you have on it and please do share it with a friend or with your community i really really appreciate your support as i try and build this platform thank you sending you love and light. Like.